0: Uh, But today, uh, we are continuing in our series, Astonished, going through the book of Galatians. Now just to recap from last week, uh, Paul was astonished that the Galatians would trade the grace that is found in Jesus Christ and perfect and full acceptance in him to slavery once again to the law, to the guilt and shame, and to the burden that that brings He's astonished that they would abandon the gospel for the law. And we saw last week that the gospel is a proclamation of of grace. That we get the opposite of what we should have earned and deserved. That instead of damnation, we get salvation in Jesus because he was crucified on our behalf. That it's a gospel of peace. That Jesus took the punishment that we deserve to create peace between sinful men, and the holy and perfect God. There's a gospel of grace and peace. Now, Paul's kind of shifting gears a little bit, and he has to address some of the underlying foundations that are starting to crumble here. And he has to build up the fact that he actually is a legitimate authority to speak on the gospel. That this gospel that he's speaking to them, this gospel of grace, this amazing message... If it is just uh, the invention of man, if it's just Paul's theological philosophizing, then it's death. It, it, it's not true. It, it has no power. And so Paul, in this kind of little aspect of Galatians, he's trying to prove that the gospel uh, is the true gospel, that he is proclaiming it truly. And he does that by, by pointing to some of the aspects of, of his message and even his own life. That, first of all, that Paul's motives are pure. That his motives to preach the true gospel are, are motivated by pleasing God, not man. That he's putting God's glory first. Second, that he has, he has a true testimony. It's a testimony that shows off the gospel of Jesus. That it, it shows someone who is radically and completely changed. Not someone who just kind of gradually improved over time. And finally, you see that this gospel is real because it results in real worship towards God. It doesn't result in the worship of man. It doesn't lift man up. It lifts up Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, who did the work for us, without which we could never please God. So, with that in mind, uh, we are going to look at Galatians 1 verses 10 through 24. Galatians one verses ten through twenty four. It should be on the screens in front of you. If you want to open it in your open to it in your Bible, it is on uh, nine seventy two. So starting Galatians chapter one, verse ten. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But... But when he who set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. By what I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. They glorified God because of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have not received man's gospel, that we not live before the eyes of men, that we are not trying to please them. We are standing before you, Father, in the completed and perfect work of Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that we would remember that we have already pleased you in Jesus and to, to live for your pleasure is to live under that grace that you've already given us. Father, we ask that you would break whatever laws we are returning to. Father, that you would break the fear of man, that you would free us from living before men, their traditions and their laws and their culture, and that we would stand in Jesus Christ, nothing but Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, you would come upon us, that you would, you would enlighten us, you'd drive home the realities of, of Jesus into our hearts. And would you give us an abundance of joy. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. So Paul is trying to confirm and, and show that this gospel is the real gospel. And ultimately, each time he shows us what the real gospel looks like, The hope is that that would be true in our lives as well. So first, we see the confirmation of Paul's gospel in his motives. In his motives, in why he is preaching the message that he is preaching. And he's ultimately preaching this gospel of of grace and of peace because he is seeking the pleasure of God, the approval of God, and not the pleasure or approval of man. Now, that's where there's this odd relationship that we wouldn't naturally think of. So we think that to go back to the law and try to do the traditions and live according to the, the culture or the, the laws found in the Bible, that that would be motivated by this desire to please God. That, oh, I, I, I'm forgetting that I've I, already pleased him. Why are you still working to please God? But Paul, in this letter... He's emphasizing something different. He's showing that in reality, most of us go back to works and the law and the traditions of men because we are afraid of mankind. We are afraid of the judgment of other people, and we are living for their approval, not for the approval of God. Verse 10 For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So there's this dichotomy that he's setting up here that you can either, you can either follow the gospel of grace and please God and, and seek his approval, or you can live under legalism and the law and seek the approval of man. And oftentimes when we're seeking the law and trying to improve ourselves, we're doing it not for God but for man. Now, how does that how does that work? All right, these two different gospels have first two very different views of of humanity and and who we actually are. Let's first start with the the one true gospel, the true gospel of grace and peace, says that. Humanity is dead in our trespasses. That no one can do good, no not one, no one is righteous. That as much as anyone may try to muster up good works and follow the traditions of God and whatever commandments may be on your heart that day, you cannot ultimately please Him. Because you are dead and your sin is is enslaving you to sin. The real gospel of grace says you cannot save yourself. That the sin that is in your heart is too deeply entrenched. That if anyone's going to do that work, it's not going to be you. It's going to be God coming down and doing the work for us on the cross, dying for sin, giving us life in his perfection. Now, is that the message that, that pleases man? No. But then you have this message over here, the, the legalistic side. And works and trying harder. And what does it say about humanity? It says that, you know what, you just need to try a little harder. And, you know, if you just are a little more committed, then, then you can really please, please God first and you can prove your, your, your inner worth. You can prove how strong humanity really is. And if you look deep in your heart and if you ask people out there, that's what most everyone believes. That if we just try harder, we do a little more, we can, we can make it, we can save ourselves, we can be good, nice, righteous people. All right, what does that look like in, the, in conservative circles? They usually have a couple kind of pet peeve laws. usually related to sex, drugs, and alcohol, and rock and roll, you know, those ones. That, and like, you know what, just just shape up and get those things out of your life, and, you know, God will accept you. It's not that hard. All right, the, the liberal church has their own version of those laws, and they, but they say things like, you know what, if you, if you educate yourself and learn to be more accepting and, and diverse, if you show the love of Jesus to people, then then, then you're good enough. You just need that that inspiration. And we start, oh, okay, I can do that. I can can do some works. All right, why are we doing it? We're doing it because we have this fundamental view that humanity is great and humanity is healthy and humanity can save themselves. We do it to please ourselves. And oftentimes we do it because we don't want to we don't get on the wrong side of those people who have this belief about humanity. All right, second, second. The gospel of grace calls us to live before God and God alone. It asks the fundamental question, what do you owe God? What's the real law? What are you really responsible for? Not before anyone else, but me standing before the throne of God and saying, all right, what do you actually want? And if you're willing to live before God and live before his approval, before his eyes alone, you'll realize you will be utterly decimated by it. That he's not going to look at our lives and say, wow, you are, you are as holy and as perfect as I am. No, he's going to say, like, no, you're nowhere close. When we hold up our purity to God's, it's going to be incredibly pale in comparison. When we hold up our, our honesty to God's, it's incredibly pale. It is nothing compared to true righteousness. But legalism, legalism and, and works and trying harder in the traditions of men, they like to live before the, the eyes of Man. And you're not holding your righteousness up to God. You're holding your righteousness up to the next person. You're comparing Pokemon cards on the playground. Like, this is, what, what do you have? Oh, I, I'm doing pretty good. And it's not about, it's not about the, the righteousness, the true righteousness of the law. It's about your relative righteousness to everyone else. And you don't ask yourself fundamentally like, oh, am I, am I really pure? You're asking, oh, am I more pure than the, the general population, how am I doing? We all know we can't really do this, so, so we lower the bar and we just kind of settle with where everyone's at. Legalism always lives before the eyes of men. If we actually want the approval of God, we have to get it through Jesus Christ and nothing but Jesus, the one who has given us perfect righteousness to actually please God. Finally, finally, there's different recipients of glory. So the real gospel, the gospel of grace and peace, says that Jesus Christ did everything. You did nothing to save yourself. It was the gift of grace. It was the gift of salvation. It was the gift of peace. It was Jesus Christ who did the work. And therefore, who gets the glory? Jesus, no one but Jesus gets the glory because he did all the work. He saved, you didn't have any hand in it. You didn't save yourself. He came and saved you. It's not about man. All right, if we go over here to the legalistic side, who gets the glory? Well, you get to share some of it because you did some of the work. And oftentimes that's why we like the legalistic thing. We like the laws, we like the traditions because We want that pat on the back and we want to say, you know what, I I want to be a good Christian today and I was a good Christian. I proved that I'm worthy to receive salvation today. That's comfortable and it lifts us up a little bit. But it's not the real gospel. Ultimately, If you want the approval of God, you want to please God, seek it in Jesus Christ alone. Never go to the law. The law is only going to try to lift you up just so it can tear you back down. Nothing but Jesus. Live before him, live before his eyes, please him through Jesus. Now we are all struggling with that, but Paul, Paul seemed to have learned it. in his persecution, in his rejection, he learned that this was the one thing that mattered. And it was found in Jesus. It's a real gospel. All right, next, next. We see Paul's testimony. Paul uses his testimony to prove that this is the real gospel, that it is not the gospel of man. He says at verse 11, "'For I would have you know, brothers, "'that the gospel that was preached by me "'is not man's gospel.'" didn't come from man it wasn't invented for i did not receive it from any man nor was i taught it but i received it through a revelation of jesus christ all right if this is man's gospel it's it's nothing it's useless it's just another little tidbit of wisdom from someone who doesn't know anything but if it was from jesus christ directly then it is it is the true gospel and if it is the true gospel as it's found in the revelation of Jesus, if this story is true, then we should see this radical shift in Paul's life. That he's running down one, one, one road, and then all of a sudden he, he turns, runs the other way. That's exactly what we see in Paul's life. We don't see his, his slow development and, oh, he just gets a little bit more insight into the law and tries a little bit harder and gets ever and ever better, No, that is not the story of Paul's life. It's a radical realization that he needs Jesus and he needs grace. Verse 13. You have heard of my former life in Judaism. Notice this is Judaism, not not a relationship with God. It's, It's a religion. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. All right, this is, this is the life of a staunch legalist and law keeper who really believes that he is on God's side. And he is running after his own glory that he might stand before God and, and really say, you know what, I... I am the best of the best. Not only was I the best of the best, but I went out and I, I fought your battles, God, that I saw sinners and I, I destroyed them. I saw those who were blaspheming your name and I stood against them. Like, you're welcome, God. <laughs> you're welcome that I, that I rose to these heights. Now look at, look at what his life is characterized by. All right, it's characterized by by comparing himself to all others and taking their sins upon himself that he needs to destroy them and take care of them. It's about climbing the ladder, climbing the Jewish ladder that he might rise above other people that he sees. It's about Judaism, a religious system for self-improvement. It's about comparing himself to to other good Jewish people who he surrounds himself with. That he might not be polluted by by those who are, are corrupt. It's characterized by tradition. Tradition and the laws of man. That he might live before the eyes of men. Now we can see the trajectory that he's running down here. He is running full force until verse 15. But, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. All right, this is a man whose whose life has completely changed. The total trajectory has turned around. First, this is not, then I decided to put my faith in Jesus. No, it's that he was called from before the foundations while he was still in his mother's womb when he hadn't done a single work. He knows then then he was set to, to what? To have Jesus Christ revealed to him by grace. That he didn't deserve any of this, but for some reason he got this unmerited gift And he was shown Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus struck him blind, laid him out flat on his back, and showed him that all this stuff that he tried to do, all of this perceived righteousness, was actually worse than if he'd never tried at all. That in reality, all of these works were, were pushing him further and further away from true righteousness. That in committing himself to the law, he was condemning himself. And that by pretending that he was on God's side, he was actually condemning and killing those who, who were actually followers of Jesus. This is someone whose, whose life has turned around. And we see it in, mostly in this, this dichotomy. How has he broken the fear of man in Paul? Paul. First, he changed his gospel message. Before Paul was preaching the law, he was preaching rules, he was preaching traditions, and now what is what is Paul preaching? He's preaching him, the Son, in grace. He's preaching the gospel of grace and peace. Now what does that what does that call us to? Now, some of you have, have received Christ, but your gospel hasn't changed. The gospel that you preach day in and day out is exactly the same as it was before. And if someone asks you, like, oh, how do I... How do I, how do I grow in this area? Well, oh, you, you need to do verse 7 and 9 and 10. You need to do A, B, and C. It's the law. It's still the law. Or maybe when 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 you are called to preach the good news, you're preaching politics. Maybe you're you're preaching social reform. Maybe you're you're preaching the latest product that has, has brought you so much life. If your good news has changed, your gospel needs to change. Your message needs to change. The thing that you go to for life needs to change. Paul used to be really zealous about the law and the traditions, and now he's zealous about Jesus. What else happens to him? He goes to preach among the Gentiles. Now, if he's climbing the ranks of Judaism, you don't go to the Gentiles. You're not supposed to eat with the Gentiles. You're not supposed to talk to the Gentiles. You're not supposed to touch the Gentiles. And here he is now going to the lawless, the rejected, the racially impure why? Because he wants to please Jesus, not man. He wants to please the one who has died for him and given him life. It's not about the system anymore. Which is where I would call us, like, stop climbing, cl- stop climbing the, the religious ladder. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You should be free from those things. And not even you should be. You get to be free from those things because it doesn't matter anymore. You care about pleasing Jesus. Now that's reflected again when Paul says that, you know what, what did he do? He didn't go consult with all the the official leaders in the the ivory tower in Jerusalem. No, what did he do? He He went to go preach the gospel because he didn't need to go proclaim, you know what, oh, Now I'm an apostle and I'm one of you and you know now I'm in the upper ranks. No, it's about him and Jesus. He wants to please him and please him alone. Now that's where have you been freed from seeking the approval of man? Of running after the traditions of men. Are you free from comparing yourself to other people or asking yourself, today am I a good Christian or a bad Christian? All right, there's no place for that in the gospel. Now, a practical example of this, all right, when you talk to me, when you talk to me, what are you trying to do when you talk to me? Some of you, some of you, you don't care, you don't care about me at all. That's fine, I'm actually, I'm, I'm more on that team. Because you're like, oh, you're just another person. You you tell me about the gospel, and I follow Jesus because as a result. That's great. That's how it should be. Now, for some of you, I am like a religious symbol. And when you come to me, you like you position your lives a certain way, and like all of a sudden your language is totally different. Yes, that kind of language is totally different. and you no longer fight with your husband anymore, and you know, you're know you just like a nice little person. And All right, if I am representing Jesus, my hope would be that you would expect me to give the same grace that Jesus gives you. Because Jesus would give you that amount of grace. You don't have to position yourself with Jesus. You don't have to clean yourself up for Jesus. You have to be a sinner and receive grace. Amen? That's the same with me. That's the same with, with each other. You're not living before one another to make sure you're not judged by them. You are totally fine in Jesus. Live in that freedom. Enjoy that freedom. Don't care what I think. And if I do judge you, judge me back for not, being, not having the heart of the gospel and grace and peace in Christ. Yes? Yes, all right. Uh, now, one thing I just want you all to remember, in all of this, if you're saying, oh, I am, I am afraid of man. I do care what other people think. I am comparing myself. that is, I'm not telling you this to feel guilty and ashamed and, well, you're not a real Christian. No, not at all. I'm saying live according to the gospel that you know is true. Live out of the approval you have found in Christ. Seek the pleasure of God because you've already pleased God in Christ. Be free of the law. Be free of man. Be free of fear of man. Be free of traditions. All that stuff, it doesn't add anything to you. It doesn't add anything to the gospel. It doesn't add anything to your standing before him. Paul Paul found that freedom. And Paul's life completely turned around because he found grace in Jesus. Proving the real gospel. This wasn't a gradual development of the law. This was a, a broken man realizing he was a sinner in need of grace. And his whole life kind of wrapped around that truth. Finally, finally, the results... All right, this is the, the proof-is-in-the-pudding kind of moment. A real gospel is going to achieve the right things. And the real gospel of grace and of peace gives God all the glory. Look at verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. We'll talk about his relationship to the other apostles next week. Um, doesn't care that much about them, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) It's good, actually. Uh, When I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. And they glorified God because of me. That is the final proof that this is the real gospel. That God gets the glory. The whole point of this book, the whole point of God, the whole point of everything is that God gets the glory. And in this system of law and legalism, we get the glory. Humanity gets the glory. You will try to get the glory but the real gospel gives all the glory to God because Jesus did all the work. Believe in the real gospel, the gospel of grace and peace, and don't try to glorify yourself before man. Give the glory to God. Put up your hands and say, you know what? Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I... I would stand condemned without Jesus Christ. That's why he gets the glory. He did the work. He did the salvation. I did not. I cannot do it. I did not do it. But Jesus did. Nothing but Jesus saves, and no one but Jesus gets the glory. It's our joy to give God the glory that he, he earned in Jesus. Jesus. So go give go live your lives giving him the glory that not to earn the salvation but because you want to give him the glory he deserves simply cuz you love him. Amen. All right. Any questions? Questions. What's for lunch? I think hot dogs and whatever everyone else brings. <laughs> That's a great question, Jeff. <laughs> Anything? Speaking of meals, uh, we are now going to partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, one note everything's gluten free, so if that's a problem for you, it's fine. Um, this is one more proof that it's not about you, it's about Jesus. That you receive it, that He died, you did not. You do not earn any righteousness. You receive it from Jesus Christ. So let's partake of the Lord's Supper. Enjoy. George, would you like to come up and and lead us in the Lord's Supper?